Hello. Welcome, everyone. While we join, waiting for Justin, we have huge guests today. I see Mauro there on the crowd. Clem. Welcome, everyone. Let's get you set up. Hello, how's everyone? Hey, Mauro, how are you? Hey, what's up? All good. Hey, Oseg. Thank you for having me. We got quite a lineup today. Justin, how are you? The best co-host. I would ever wish. I, I I agree. I agree. All the way, Jose. We're gonna make this a national show and you and me. Yes, sir. We we have hit things ahead. And today we have a big job. We have a lot of guests. We have traders, entrepreneurs, uh, investors, a few companies too, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And, and we also have, of course, Jordan Belfort coming to join us today. And we're and, talking Bitcoin. So, and what could go wrong, right? Yep. Hey, Justin, am I coming through loud and clear? I you guys forgot about books. And books? Are we yes. are we talking about books as well? Uh, yes, you are coming through, Clem. Good to see you again. Okay, great to be on because uh, I want to keep my batteries going, you know, and you can't have your headset in and your batteries going on the iPhone at the same time. Okay. <laughs> um, that thing is well. coming all right. I see we have yep. Jordan. Uh, there it is. There you have Mike. Hello, Jordan. Welcome. Thanks for joining. Let's check everything's working fine. Before we just hey, start. Hey, Jordan. Welcome. Good to see you again. All right. He's getting ready, I guess. But we're, hey, Marie, it's good to see you yeah, again yeah, as well. I'm, I'm on now. Hey, guys. Great I'm to see you. I'm on now. Hey, how you doing, Jordan? Doing well. Good to see you, buddy. Good to speak. Been, been a fun time in the market lately, hasn't it? I know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> these, these times come and these times go, you know? <laughs> you, you know, seriously, can you get down the street with somebody asking about what the fuck Bitcoin is going to do? You know, listen, I, you know, I, I, I think the, the, the big question is like there's Bitcoin, right? And there's everything else. I, I think there's a, yeah. big a big difference between, you know, what the future of Bitcoin and for that matter, Ethereum, I think, as well, and then the rest of crypto. And I've always kind of said that, that I divide them into pretty, very different buckets. <laughs> right, right. So, but, but you're not a Bitcoin maximalist per se. No, not not a, a, a it's not a Bitcoin maximalist. Just that there is, you know, the, the problem with, with, and I've always said this with crypto is that, you know, for the very very few um, worthy number of tokens and projects out there, and like ninety nine point nine nine percent of it is just absolute nonsense. And um, and um, I'm not saying people aren't trying to do the right thing, and you know, many some are, many aren't. Right? But uh, um, I think that Bitcoin certainly stands out as by far um, um, the most 
I, I think in terms of use cases, I think it's a very obvious use case. I use it myself um, around the world, and um, I think it has a, a big future still. No matter what, no matter what hey, happens. With, uh, co-host, down. mute your mics when he's talking because it sounds uh, really bad. The background noise. Yeah, it, 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 too many mics unmuted. Generally, keep them muted when you're not speaking. That'll be helpful. Um, and by the way, if there's anybody that's uh, supposed to be on the panel today and you're there and I don't see you because there's one or two people I'm still waiting for, raise your hand so that I, I know that you uh, need to be uh, given the ability to speak. Um, but thank you so much, everyone, for coming out today, talking to uh, Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street, about uh, about crypto today. And, of course, our... Uh, other collected uh, uh, guests here. We we've got. Uh, do do we have Arno with us from Crunchdown? Are, are you are you here, Arno? Are you are you? Do I need to make you a speaker? Well, request if if, uh, if you happen to be on. Um, of course, we've also got. Uh, we're looking for Aaron Rafferty um, uh, as well. Uh, I don't know if he's on either, but we we have Marie. Tadibo? How do you pronounce that, Marie? <laughs> Marie Tadibwe. Yeah. Tadibwe? Is that what yeah. it is? Okay. Correct. All right. Um, and we've had you on before. You're the uh, chief marketing officer at, at, at Tacken Labs. Um, we've had you on before. It's good to, good to talk to you again. Yeah, great to be here. I was uh, the CMO of Gate.io uh, when we spoke last. Mm-hmm. And I went over to Taken's Labs because... Centralized exchanges are great, but uh, decentralized exchanges are definitely the way to go. Oh, I don't know if centralized exchanges are great. <laughs> well, you need to onboard people uh, at some point, you know, and uh, right. you need some centralized entities for that. I do, I do believe so. But right. the whole point of crypto is to be decentralized, which is why I joined Taken Sops. Right. And of course, we've also got Ben left with us. Hey, Ben, how you doing? Doing. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. You've been on before as well. Um, and of course, uh, we've got Clem Chambers, who is a CEO of Online Blockchain. Uh, hello, Clem. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. It's great to be on a show with so many luminaries. Oh, yeah, it's it's great to have such a smart panel. I'm always pleased with the panels we're able to pull together here. Clem was on us on with us last week, talking about whether we we'd uh, make uh, Tim Draper's prediction of two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollar Bitcoin in uh, twenty twenty three. What, what do you yeah. think of that one, Jordan? You think we'll make two uh, fifty this year? Presenting all the guests before we we start with the questions, right? We also have right. a no standard, problem, an old friend of mine, successful businessman, based in Miami, I think, or or, or Texas right now. My, uh, Mauro. Miami, yes, Miami. Thank you, thank you for having me. Come on, nice. nice to meet you. We we also have books, blockchain capitalists, and DeFi and web drawing in open sea. And if the art is right, Bruce? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, blockchain capitals. Nice. Perfect. We also have uh, Gucci, Augusto Novoa, trading focused on Elliott Waves and Mindset. Hello. How's it Welcome, Augusto. Oh, good. I think uh, that's it, uh, Justin. Also, in a bit, uh, Melanie Schaefer. 
Benzinga's analyst uh, writer will join, but not yet. So we can oh, proceed. She, she's on now. I'm here she's now. She's on now. Hi, Mel. I made it on. Oh, nice. Perfect. Perfect. Well, all yours, Justin. Yeah, we've got a heck of a lineup. Thank you, everyone, for coming out and talking to us today. Um, you know, going into New Year, uh, Jose and I, we try to look at whatever is most on people's mind. And right now, people are pretty excited about the idea that Bitcoin might be hitting a, a new support level around 17K. It's kind of been going up and down around that level. <coughs> um you got a trend forming support near 16880 on the hourly chart. Uh, it says it could rise further and stay above the $17,000 support uh, you know, trend line. So I guess my first question, and I'll, I'll uh, go ahead and start with Jordan, is uh, do you think we're going to hit uh, that 17K line uh, for support? And what does that mean to the investor? I have no idea. I mean, where, where Bitcoin is going to go in the short term, you know, I just, I'd be lying to you if I said that I knew. And I think anyone that tells you they know where it's going next, I think is, is full of shit. I, I think that uh, it's been relatively stable, you know, in the last month, right? It's, you know, it's sort of found some little, you know, range of trades in, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen next. And I, and I think that, you know, for Tim Draper to say it's going to a quarter million here is, 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 is kind of patently ridiculous. Um, I don't think it's good for the space. I think that it's self-serving and, uh, and I, you know, listen, you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong because I don't know, maybe it could happen as well. But, you know, I, I think it's better off to look at Bitcoin as a long term investment, you know, where you hold it for five years or 10 years and you're, you know, betting on the on the long term adoption and that people will, um, you know, uh, all over the world will start, you know, looking at it as a store of value. And I think that's really where the value of Bitcoin is. It's not in trading it for the short term. I think most people who trade it in the short term end up losing all their money. Uh, they end up using leverage a lot of them, and um, and we're seeing a lot of the aftermath of that right now. So I think you're far better off looking at Bitcoin as a long-term investment. That's my opinion. Well, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Jose. No, no, just that, that. great answer. Yeah, well, it's true. I mean, certainly, uh, you know that that's what ev everyone will uh, will say in terms of uh, you know, like if you look at it in terms of the lot of the long term, you avoid a lot of uh, the things that people stress out about in terms of when they're uh, looking at every little movement. But you know, this this is seeming to amount to a pattern, and, and I think uh, just to throw out a little bit of a devil's arg argument here. I mean, I've got a few reasons I'm going to ask about about why you know we might be seeing the, this. Uh, this pattern um and uh, i think people are maybe looking for some sort of good news to be completely honest uh you know kind of wondering how bad it's really going to get um uh, jose you you want to go ahead and, and uh and pose the question to augusto yeah i think maybe gucci knows a bit no right uh, yeah. i would like to know what are your graph saying what are, is your analyst saying about bitcoin what where do you expect it in the short term yeah Okay, for me, uh, the bottom is in at around 1,500,000. Um, so, as a trader, I see the market uh, only. I have an expectation of performing well. Okay, I don't know where is the price is going, but uh, in terms of short term, I think the bottom is in. So, uh, everything else as a trader is risk reward all uh, of course um, i think as i say uh, 
we we have already hit the bottom. We retracted uh, from the top like 70%. Uh, we, we are going down uh, since two years ago. And I think the bottom is in. A lot of people are telling that uh, we're going uh, much more down, but I don't, I, I don't go with that. I think the bottom is in. Okay, perfect. Thank, thanks, thanks for the effort. Also for awareness, he's from Argentina, so he's doing a big effort in speaking in, in English. Great, great, Augusto. Thanks, thanks so much. Mel, would Appreciate you like it. to add something to his analysis? Um, yeah, I sort of agree with that. So, like from a trading perspective, I see, um, well, a thirty-minute bull flag right now that looks good for a continuation. You know, for the rest of the day. Um, I also see sort of the 16,300 mark as like the local bottom. And um, I think that it can come back as far as 16,700, which is the 0.65. And um, would like it can come all the way back that, to that level and even reach 16,670 um, without even wrecking its daily uptrend. So for like the coming days and into the next week, I think that it looks uh, really positive. So what does that say to the investor, Mel? Um, well, I mean, you got to manage your risk and reward. I see there's going to be resistance coming up today, you know, at around 17,400. Um, and it's like for me, if I'm going to play this, if I was going to play this 30-minute bull flag, it would have to uh, bust through that level um, to see continuation into tomorrow. Perfect. With a little bit of burn. Yeah, of go, go ahead, Ben. Sure. So what I'm looking at right now, in my opinion, is a bear trap with a resistance level of 17.7 uh, before we start dropping down and not being able to hold that level of support. Um, with that being said, Bitcoin, like Jordan said, nobody knows. I've been saying that forever. I've been knocking on Tim Draper publicly forever um, with his outrageous predictions. Um, but more than anything, it's it's a dollar cost average. Accumulate and and put it away like gold, everybody. Um, I think we're well beyond the path, uh, beyond the uh, the realm of. There are professional traders or investors, and you're going to be able to jump in and not worry about volatility. This industry is going to be volatile for probably another decade at least. Um, so my final thoughts on all of this is I see a bear trap. Uh, I could be wrong, but I definitely see a huge pullback, uh, maybe down to 12 before we see something spring. And I think, and Jordan mentioned this, Bitcoin found a happy point uh, with its price at 16.5 to 16.9, and now it's a little over 17. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, and Justin, I believe you said this, are really waiting on the news. What's going to happen? What, what, what's going on with F FTX and SBF? And unfortunately, um, none of that is related to Bitcoin itself, but Bitcoin price will react when these things uh, start coming to light in court cases or wherever they show up. What about you, Clem? You, you spend quite a bit of time talking to your audience about the markets. What, what, what's your take on what's going on right now? Well, if you want to be bullish, you just look at the compression in volatility, which is, you know, really striking. And the trend is very clear sideways. So, you know, if you would, would it be very neutral about it, when you get these situations, the direction in which it breaks clearly from next is going to go a long way. Now, if you want to buy Bitcoin and hold it forever, then you just buy dips forever. That's what you do. That's what buy and hold is all about. But if you're 
look at it fundamentally you've got this huge damocles sword of um digital currency group hanging over everything and the grayscale um uh, a trust with six hundred thousand bitcoins it may or may not have now if that all goes horribly wrong and those six hundred thousand bitcoins come to market then that's very 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 bearish of course if they've already gone that could be quite bullish so really i'm just looking at it and going until everybody's given up until nobody cares about bitcoin anymore until everybody's crying that it's all over it's not the bottom and that's not happened yet and there's all these dominoes and all these shoes to fall and to that they've all fallen and all those dominoes have gone down and you can count to 10 after that then that then we haven't got the bottom yet so we are, we're not at the bottom yet no way okay so we have <laughs> both bullish theories bearish theories and it all goes back to what jordan said at the beginning right bitcoin is bitcoin and you don't have to think it as a short-term investment. You have to invest in the technology. So I would like to ask Jordan, like, what do you think that so much person like, like investing money in other tokens that are like super rare or side projects or, or whatever, and why they don't like dive into Bitcoin on like with more strength? Well, I, I think like the equivalent of investing in like those sort of alternative tokens is like like tonight I'm, I bought tickets to go to uh, see Avatar 2 with the like 4DX, you know, and I think I, I'm going to probably including the, the meal I go, I'm going to probably spend like $200 and like uh, I'm going to have a really great time and have fun with it, but I don't intend on making money from that experience. And I think that's how you have to look at putting money into alternative tokens. Like it's really fun sometimes to speculate and trade and to guess right or guess wrong and to try to get on the next trend. But if you're doing it to try to make money, it's a fool's errand. So, so I just I just don't think that's a rational way to go out and make money unless you're the person doing the issuing. If you're issuing the tokens yourself, then God bless you, you're probably gonna make some money. But if you're out there buying it and trying to like, you know, catch on to like, you know, who's the hottest girl in school this week, that's the basic theory behind the whole thing. It's like, you're probably gonna end up not doing that well, but you might have a lot of fun in the process. So I, I look at Bitcoin as a serious investment. That's a very big difference between investing and speculating. So, and you know, to me, Bitcoin is an investment. You, you, you buy, if you like it, then you buy it, you hold it, and you believe, and you, as someone said, dollar cost average, I think it was very smart. They were right on the money because I think all that, whoever was talking about that was saying that it's still, you know, people not hating it enough. I think that's 100% correct. Like, you know, it's, there's not enough negativity to really know if the bottom is here. That's not to say that it's going to go lower because you don't know where it's going, but there's still definitely, you know, people are not all saying it's over, it's over. When everyone's saying it's over, that's probably the bottom, right? But again, you don't know when that moment is. So until then, you can you know you, you responsibly dollar cost average if you believe in the technology. And and I will tell you this, you know, I, I, I think one of the, the people who are in the United States, one of the mistakes that we often make is we look at things from a very US-centric perspective. I know there's someone on here from Argentina, uh, on this call, and I just spent a lot of time in Argentina because my wife is Argentinian. And when I'm down there, I use Bitcoin, I use stable coins all the time because it's the only real way to transact business quickly. If you try to go through the traditional banking system, it's a fucking disaster. It takes a long time to clip part of your money. So I think there's a real use case for this sort of you know alternative way of of moving money around the world and storing value. So I I really believe over the long term, Bitcoin is going to continue to have value because I think that there's just so many parts of the world that um that need this type of technology um the other stuff is mostly speculation it's very different 
So, so, so I, you have to divide those two up. And then if you're a believer in the story of, of Bitcoin, you, then you, you've got to be a long-term player, I believe. I, I just think it's too hard. You know, all the traders that talk about tops and bottoms and, and momentum, they're all smart. And I'm sure you all know what you're talking about. But let's just face it, it's really fucking hard to like to trade like that and actually make money on a consistent basis while history has proven that it's far easier for the average person to, to make money if they're willing to buy something that's fundamentally sound and hold up for a very long period of time. Let time do the heavy lifting, essentially. That's my philosophy. You know, and I think you come from a, a pretty specific um, perspective on this. Uh, since you have a history, you understand the mechanics of, uh, of pumping up a market. You know, when when you look at it and you, you've that that's that's behind you, that's the earlier part of your life. But you you know how this shit works before crypto ever came along. I think it's fair to say. I think you'd agree with me on that. Well, um, I know, what I know is that people who that's what I said, those who make who are issuing the tokens and doing the pumping. Yeah, you can make money. But those of you who are looking to be on the other side and buy and time it is very difficult. It's you can make money by by timing the pump and getting involved early and getting out not too late but it's a, just unless you know someone or you know something it, it's not i don't look at that as like a legitimate trading strategy or like an investment strategy that's you know speculation short-term trading and if you're very good at that i bet you can make money if you're really good at that most people are not good at that and they end up losing money and they will use leverage along the way and lose a lot of money that's my experience yeah, yeah i think it's unsustainable yeah. Right, right. Well, I mean, and, you know, part of the problem, of course, is that we can keep saying uh, only invest the money you can afford to lose. Do this with a 10 year plan. Or if you want to speculate a little bit, take a little bit of money and speculate it with it and have fun, but don't necessarily expect to win out. Um, but that isn't how people do it, especially not during the bull market. You, you got a lot of people uh, got really hurt out of that. Everyone uh, you know, it's fun. It's fun to get carried away, isn't it? Uh, it it's it's uh, that gambling vibe or something like that. People people just get into it, and that's how they end up getting getting hurt during the bull run. Um, yeah, but it'll be right. interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, Mauro, you know, the, Mauro, what do you think about all these side tokens I, or, uh, and crypto scams? Look, as, as a person that lost a lot of money in these uh, <laughs> side coins, so excuse my French, shitty coins, right? Let's go like that. <laughs> um, I invested in a few of them in the past and, and also because, you know, people close to me came to me and I trusted them, not their project especially. But I think that these um, side coins, they played a big role, you know, during the pandemic where people were a lot of really you know, all these Instagram pages, motivation, business, entrepreneurs, millionaire mentorships, all these gurus and also these, uh, you know, Reddit Reddit pages talking about these coins. And people were really, really, you know, paranoid and having this FOMO, fear of missing out. And I think they had a big role over there. But, uh, you know, after, during the time, you know, the last time you, you can see how many, many, many of the side coins disappear, even Bitcoins you know, they after everything, they seem to be, you know, also like a scam. So I think people are now really, really skeptical. And that maybe that's that's a big part of why, you know, many coins, you know, went down on the price. But uh, I'm, for now, I will only stick to, you know, the the they say Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin, really just the basics, the principle. Let's go like that. I will I, I wouldn't step on 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 side coins on this time. So, so you would label 2023 like back to basics. I'll be back. Yeah, 
now I'm back back to basics. After I learned from my own Perfect. pocket. Let's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, we we everyone. I think we 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 read quite a few articles about risk management after the, this last very uh, mm -hmm. cycle, right? Sure. Can, can I just make a statement here that you know, yeah, when you're in the market, you're playing an opponent and that opponent is going to be a professional. You wouldn't play for money tennis against Federer, would you? But people go into the market and think they're going to win a game against a professional who's, you know, probably world class where you're going to lose, aren't you? That's obvious, isn't it? Well, that's a good point of view. Well, well what do we think of that? I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll go make a devil's ag advocate argument for a minute here, Clem. You know, ha hasn't, uh, you know, Wall Street Bets uh, shown us that, that um, you know, it, it gathered as a whole uh, an empowered group of people who have access to, it's not like it used to be, where you used to have uh, a subscription to a Bloomberg terminal and, and other financial data that wasn't necessarily available, at least not in the same uh, timely fashion that it was for professional traders. Hasn't there been a flattening of, uh, of the system a little bit, given that the information is now technically available to everyone? Everybody, every fool makes a huge profit at the end of a bull market in a bubble, and then they lose their shirt on the way down. It's absolutely nothing but the fact they're going to be long, the market's going to go up until suddenly it turns around and they get killed. I run a, a, a I run investors, uh, Jordan might have even heard of it, um, millions of private investors, and they're not investors, and they're, and they're just gamblers, and you know, they're not the house, and therefore they're going to win. And at the end of a bubble, when everybody's piled in and everybody's a lemming, they go sailing off the cliff. And they fall to their deaths. And that sounds like someone's trying to be Jordan Balfour over here. What's that? Someone's trying to be like you, Jordan. Eh. Oh, no, listen, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you, I think, guy, uh, if you look at what happened, you know, you have to really separate out, you know, the centralized issues from what was a decentralized technology. The, the, the problems have occurred. The main, all the big problems occur when you find people centralizing this technology. Right, you know, Luna, FTX, uh, Celsius, and all these, all these, these big problems occur, and not in the fundamental way that Bitcoin was meant to operate. So I think, so I think that you know, and, and in addition to that, and layer on the lack of regulation and oversight. So you know, it, it appears that, like at least right now, that you know, you'd have to say that Coinbase is probably liquid; that they have what they say they have in reserves because they're you know regulated in the United States, and they're not that it's not fraud in the United States because there is as well, right? We had Bernie Madoff, and and, and Lehman Brothers fucks up; it happens. But 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 what happened here is just simply like you had this first evolution of of, of Bitcoin was like where it all suddenly became centralized and that's like shoving a square peg in a round hole into what the idea of crypto was supposed to be so i, I think that you have to look at this going forward is that i really i really i sincerely hope that the next evolution of this is far more decentralized and has far more regulatory oversight and i think if those two things happen i think you will see a bright future for the main coins here for the big ones and i and i think that you'll see a lot less of these shit coins because most of those were formed out of a regulatory arbitrage it was just very easy for people to go out there and issue what are really securities you know in the form of tokens and you know by using that so-called exemption they lack any regulatory oversight so it was cheaper quicker easier for the average person to go out and list something and float what's really a public offering so that regulatory arbitrage created just massive shit 
pouring into the market and also money pouring in from venture capitalists who also had the ability to get into these things and get out far quicker than they could in traditional venture capital. So that was the last phase. You know, I think people have learned from that now and, you know, who knows what the next phase is going to look like, but I, I suspect it will look quite different than the last one. I do think... Perfect. Let, right let, let, me, let me... Go ahead, Marie. Sorry. Yeah. I do think that regulatory oversight has been very overblown. If you take a look at BlockFi that's fallen, which was being regulated by New York State, uh, FTX obviously was working with the SEC, all of these things, uh, it's very clear to me that these centralized entities might have been saying, yes, you know, we're being regulated, but actually they're not being regulated properly. I don't think regulators are doing the due diligence that they need to do. So actually what I would argue is that the centralized entities should only really be used for onboarding. Uh, I don't think that they should be used for trading and for what crypto is meant to be about. It should only use, be used for onboarding because it's very clear from everything that's happened that uh, regulators don't know how to regulate crypto properly yet. Well, let, let's take a look at uh, our next topic. That was amazing. Our yeah, next let, topic. I just want to counterpoint well, let, to that. Let me, let me just throw a question out there uh, before we, we go on more about this because we have 11 people on our panel. We'll just talk about one question the entire time. I'm wondering... Who among, who among the speakers here, anybody, raise your hand, I'll call on you. Who's feeling good about advice? You know, you have a friend, a loved one, you know, who's innocently asking you for advice, as I'm sure happens all the time since I get that too, and nobody should be asking me. Um, you know, would you, uh, would you tell them to invest in a centralized exchange at this point? Because the fallout, uh, the ripples emanating from FTX have not stopped. Uh, Gemini not looking so good right now. Coinbase sort of had a series of problems. Seems like Binance is mainly getting by. Well, like they did not reveal this, the source of their, uh, of their fund. And I think it has something to do with that, but uh, I won't speculate any further than that. Who, who's feeling, uh, okay about centralized exchanges right now? Crunchdown? I'm, I'm surprised because you're Crunchdown. I'm surprised, but yeah, go ahead. It's good to see no, you. Yes. Hi, it's Arno. So uh, actually, I, I, I have to say that I had uh, basically, uh, you know, my own uh, <clears throat> ledger or my whatever brand you, you can quote. And, but also I had a, you know, a crypto on central exchange. And, and one day, uh, I think it was in March uh, 22, I went back to my account. And because of the war, uh, the Ukraine war started, I was asked to, to justify my address to make sure I was not Russian. And uh, I really didn't appreciate that, you know, because I feel like uh, no banks was asking me about the new KYC on, on my uh, residential address. And, 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 and this, this central exchange was asking me for this information, which took me some time, you know, because I didn't want to, to go over this. And I feel like you're, you're basically, I realized that your assets are basically locked and not yours. So, uh, you know, today I have zero, obviously zero uh, tokens on, on central exchange. And if somebody asks me uh, whether you should go into a central exchange, I would say obviously no. Uh, I mean, you should obviously have your own uh, crypto on your own uh, key, and and so you own it, and and nobody can take it out of you. 
Right. What what do you, what do you think, Jordan? Are centralized exchanges pretty much done at this point? I, I agree with what the lady said um, in terms of that. They're certainly going to be necessary for you know for going from fiat to um, into uh, you know Bitcoin or whatever crypto and back. So they do serve some purpose. Um, I think one thing one thing I do disagree. What she said though is that that the regulators don't know how to regulate this. The pro- I don't think that's really true as much. I don't think the regulators really know how to regulate anything that well. But I don't think that crypto is any different than 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 regular stocks, the same laws and rules and basic reserve requirements could apply. The problem that happened with some of these exchanges that, that had regulated components is they were brought down through systemic risk from non-regulated entities. So like when you have an FTX that blows up overseas, I think the U.S. exchange actually had sufficient assets or, or close to it. Uh, the problem is there's so much unregulated stuff that's that creates this sort of systemic toxin. So even if you're regulated, it doesn't matter if you're holding massive amounts of, of, of assets that suddenly become worthless because they're caught up in someone other scam around the world, right? So I think that that's one of the problems. In terms of, I think there is a, a necessity to have these on-ramps and off-ramps, but I do agree that I, I just don't see, well, I don't have a single thing on a centralized exchange and, I, and that's been for a very long time. You know, you have to be careful, though, obviously, with, uh, you know, you can get hacked. I've been hacked once and I learned my lesson with that. So you got to be very careful with how you, you know, track and keep your crypto safe. But I, I think I think centralized exchanges are a recipe for disaster. I really do. Did you see uh, uh, did you see CZ's reaction when uh, the uh, the Bitcoin core dev got hacked? He got hacked on his computer. And, uh, you know, CZ kind of reversed his position a little bit about self-custody. Well, Justin, I want to jump in real quick to to, Jor- to Jordan just to provide what? a bit of a rebuttal. Um, I provide I was working for a tier one exchange as, as as lead business development manager for a little over two years. Um, I agree with you, Jordan, um, and many other people that are all saying not your keys, not your crypto. But at the same time, in the world that we're in right now, when we're dealing with institutional investors who are onboarding to certain exchanges, OTC deals, those are things that can't be done in a decentralized world right now. Um, proof of reserves absolutely exists on certain exchanges. I'll use Paxos as an example. They're audited monthly and they hold a one-to-one ratio and they use gold as their uh, as their reserve currency. Um, and again, what, what you made a great point of, with regards to on-ramps. Uh, take Kraken, for example. They have, I think, seven or eight different fiat currencies. Um, so for people around the world to get their money in and out of crypto, they've got to be able to use a centralized exchange until we figure out how banks will accept fiat currency in a decentralized environment. And going back to the regulations, the regulators who I've worked with at the SEC and provided educational courses for, they're so far behind I mean, I, I just taught them a year ago um, how to use Etherscan. Um, so they've got a long way to go uh, when it comes okay. to forensic investigations and things of that nature. But um, again, uh, my rebuttal more than anything is centralized exchanges are a necessary evil. If you want to look at it at a, at a worst case, I think they're a good thing when they are well run. And, you know, that obviously is coming to be far found few and far between in this industry but that yeah. will change 
And well, has let, me, let me just respond to that for one second because I agree with what you're saying. So, so I, I think one thing people you need to understand here is that it's not difficult to to have laws in place to have a safe exchange. You're some ba- you mentioned some basic things like audited reserves, like there are segregated accounts, like you know, you, and also having some sort of national international deposit insurance fund, which is critical. Without that, the U.S. system would not work. Without the FDIC or SPIC and these insurance policies that cover losses on centralized exchanges, that makes the system function. Without that, it would not work, okay? As what happened in the 1920s and 30s with bank runs, you'd be back to things like that, okay? Which is what's happening right now in crypto. So I, I believe it is doable to have a regulated and it's not an ex- it's not even an exchange by this exchange is the wrong word these are brokerage firms these are banks they're broken they're not exchanges and that's why everyone keeps getting ftx was not an exchange it was a brokerage firm that made markets in lots of different fucking coins and did it really badly so so it's not hard to have a regulation self-clearing brokerage firm that's custodies people's assets that follows the law and gets certified audits by big eight firms if you ever had that yeah of course it would be amazing and it would work i don't think yeah i'm gonna agree with jordan if you look if you look at uh if you look at banks right and you're somebody that as soon as like 30 grand hits your account you pull it out or you send it somewhere else to cash it out in some way, shape, or form, the banks hate you. The banks will give you such a hard time. Now, when you look at exchanges, I mean, the word is there, exchange. I use it to load money from my bank, exchange it, and get it into a wallet. When you do that with these exchanges, Coinbase, for example, will ban you. Uh, Binance doesn't like it. So they want you to hold your crypto on these exchanges. They don't want you to use it as an on-ramp and off-ramp and... To be real with you, I mean, I really agree with what Jordan said because they definitely operate like banks. Sorry, like everybody, let, let's let's peace out for a second. I, I want to hand over to Clem because he's had his hand up for like ten minutes. So so go go ahead, Clem. See what he had something to say. Glad you're there. Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. They're, they're bucket shops, and Jordan will know all about bucket shops. They're, they're not exchanges. They're structured like banks. They behave like banks by using our customers' money, but they're bucket shops. And bucket shops are, are a bad, bad thing, and they always have been for over 100 years. And they behave like bucket shops, and bucket shops take the client to the cleaners, and that's what they've done. And some of them have busted themselves in the process. Tell us a little bit about bucket shops. So give, give us uh, give us a Thanks, background Clementine. on that term. Well, <laughs> if you go back 120 years, um, there were these bucket shops. You go into the bucket shop and they give you lots of leverage and they'd say, if the share that you buy goes up, you get all the upside. And if it goes down by $2, say out of 100, you lose your $2. That's all you're going to lose. Here's loads of leverage. And you go in and you lose all your money. They don't buy the equity. They don't hedge anything, but they know the volatility will take you out. So you just give them your money and it's theirs then because every time you trade, nine times out of ten you lose because the volatility is so high you lose your stop loss. And that's the bucket shop and the bootstrap. And that's exactly what all these exchanges have been, bucket shops. And bucket shops was what the old days of stock market speculation was all about. And they've just taken that model and they've applied that to themselves. I want your money, here's leverage to kill yourself with, off you go. And your money goes into their account 
and they don't hedge your trades and you lose all your money because of volatility and they've got all your money and that's the model and it's still the model out there and you know you're always going to lose your money if you if you gamble with a bucket shop but that's right, not how most go- exchanges started clem uh most exchange i mean margin trading in crypto only really came around two years ago in the mainstream uh before uh-huh. that it was very specialized before it was mostly spot yeah. and I yeah and that, that was what's called the devastation right oh sure but i think what you're that's arguing is that it was designed that way but i don't think that that's true and i might add having worked at one of the biggest centralized exchanges uh it was definitely always told to us to really push the narrative to uh, be able to take your funds off the exchange and put it in a wallet if they're not using it. Because if they're not using it, then we're not making any money on the trading fees. So we're just getting more risk. Now, now, which exchange was that? At gate.io. That's not one of the biggest exchanges. <laughs> okay. It's, yeah, no, no, no. Come on. First of all, it, it is actually a pretty big exchange. Um, uh, and, and it is, the, the point remains. Uh, but C, C7, you fascinate me because I've seen more emojis from you than most people on, on all of my shows. So, like, uh, what do you think, C7? Uh, is, uh, is it just basically RIP for centralized exchanges? Is it just kind of bullshit to have a centralized project at this point in the crypto space? Um, I think agreeing probably with what was said by Benjamin, it is at the moment a necessary evil. But I think what we need to get away from is this get-rich-quick mentality and get more into the educational aspect of this. Because like Jordan said, and he made a very good point, this thing is not very hard to get your head around it takes maybe 60 hours of properly sitting doing some research reading up things speaking to the necessary people and then you do it and then you practice it's not about throwing money into this game and a crypto and then hoping to make a big buck when you start encouraging people to take that time and properly educate themselves and as with the regulatory points that are being brought up i would argue that there is no one ideal regulator environment in the world at this moment in time but given the nature of decentralization i don't think that's ever going to be achieved because um the nature of centralized you know entities in terms of financials or education as well to be fair there's going to be fail points and in this you know in this game um the, I'm, I'm a big proponent in the believer of the coders law and the advent of the you know these decentralized autonomous organizations that are starting to pop up the need for these regulator environments are only going to be when the centralization comes in and like the point was made earlier you know there's some big companies trying to get their head around cryptocurrencies and web3 and digital assets and things i think once that time comes the regulation is obviously going to have to be in place you know to enable these companies to you know make their money um but there's you know on the ground and you know boots on the ground is where we are there's no need for these ideal regulatory environments the the onus is on the individual it's your money at the end of the day so 
it's as safe as you want it to be. Take the time to go and research it. But as for the centralized exchanges, it's at the moment a necessary evil. When you need your fiat into crypto, don't get me wrong, there are Bitcoin, you know, ATMs that you can put cash in, but in in the real world sense, you can't get any large amount of money into crypto without these uh, centralized exchanges. So there is a place for them at the moment, but if if you can if you can take the time to properly educate yourself, you can navigate these uh, problems that are obviously arising as as the space emerges into the mainstream. And if we can speak to those centralized exchanges real quick, like, for example, Clem, you had mentioned, you know, how these exchanges come up and they've been operating uh, using this the same scheme uh, to make themselves money. Um, I was with Kraken, so I don't know if you consider that tier one or not, but um, that's where I was for a little over two years, as well as Liquid Exchange out in Vietnam. Kraken specifically was created because Jesse Powell lost all of his money in Mt. Gox, and he wanted to create a safe place for people to be able to exchange Bitcoin at the time. And that's when Kraken was founded, and that was the principles of 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 his company is safety first um, uh, amongst everything. Um, now, have things changed since then? Has the landscape changed? Absolutely. But the origin stories of many of these exchanges started off as people who wanted to do good, created good products, and through lack of regulation, corruption, greed, market manipulation, and several other factors that we can't control, things have changed. And now people are reshaping the way they see centralized exchanges. And I, I, I will still say they are necessary. They may be evil. They may not be evil, but they are still necessary today to transact large amounts of cryptocurrencies in a globalized world. Well, okay, okay we've had that you've got to blame the customer too, because the customer wants to have all this crazy stuff. They love this crazy stuff. They get burned, but they really are all headfirst in for it. They're not. They're not. You know, innocent victims. They go in headfirst. And and they want the sort of action they get, and of course they pay for that. That's true. Absolutely, Absolutely. Well, you, you 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 have to put blame on the customer, indeed. And there are many exchanges set up, designed, as you said earlier, that are just for shitcoin trading. Period, all day long. Um, and as Jordan said, I can go mint a Ben token right now, and uh, you know, uh, send it off to a bunch of addresses, assign it a certain value, put a little bit of liquidity in a pool, and boom, um, I'd be able to pump and dump something real quick it, it's still possible today with the lack of regulation so to your point absolutely customers definitely need to to, to understand what the exchange's purpose is for again if we need to change the term what the brokerage house's purpose is for and what their liability um <clears throat> level of liability and risk mitigation is but the- um, okay. Usually the pump and dump schemes nowadays are much more likely to be done on a decentralized exchange than a centralized exchange. I'm sure you would agree with me, Ben. Uh, and Yeah, I actually I meant to say that. Sorry. Thank you. 
Yeah. Okay. So let, let's let's go to uh, to another question here. By the way, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, you know, follow the people on the panel, guys. Go ahead and follow uh, Jose and I. We do these uh, these Twitter Spaces twice a week at noon ET on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We always have great guests like Jordan on today, and like all these other great guests. Uh, like books. Thank you. I, I'd call you all out if I if I could right now. It's just kind of a big panel, but um, uh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, like. I'm going to throw this out for the the person that that wants to answer it. We've got the consumer price index, uh, you know, coming in showing that inflation is uh, is slowing down. Hopefully, that means that they will ease off the pedal on uh, on the interest rates right now. You think that's going to have a positive net effect uh, on crypto overall, Bitcoin in particular? Who wants? To, let's take that to uh, look. Let's go. Ahead. Yeah, let's go to to Crunch Dow again. Yes, <clears throat> thank you. Well, the, the market is very uh, nervous. Uh, we've seen it in the equity market also. And basically, uh, everybody's uh, is waiting to see what the Fed uh, rate hikes are going to be. And, um, well, it, as long as the inflation is, is, is pushing uh, further, I mean, the rate hikes will go higher and the, the, the rate, the, they will probably push uh, and and. And and accelerate the the, the the probability of a recession. So uh, obviously, if if and also the the inflation print is looking at the last twelve months, and we know that the uh, twelve months ago the inflation was not very high. So we don't think that the, the the inflation will start to go down right now, but it should go down. And so the direction is very important for both the equity market and 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 the uh, and and the Bitcoin and all the crypto and the Ethereum also. I think it's very important. Okay. Anybody else want to uh, take that one on? All right. Clem raised his hand, but the C7 had his hand raised first. So go ahead, C7. I, if I'm honest, I personally do think we'll see a Fed pivot. Um, and I think probably by sort of end of July, maybe beginning of August, we might even start to see deflationary CPI numbers. Um, I think we've turned, I think we've really turned things on the head a bit too quickly. And, you know, it. it it's no, it's, how do I phrase this? It's my opinion that the CPI numbers are not truly reflective of the current inflation crisis that definitely Europe, and I would like argue America is definitely feeling. Um, the baskets of goods that the CPI has been measured on is, is, is archaic. It needs reviewed, and it's not been reviewed for, I would argue, um, very ideological purposes. I think ultimately, in terms of Bitcoin price action, we are used to seeing um, higher interest, uh, higher inflation rates. Obviously, uh, translate into higher Bitcoin prices. However, I'm a I'm a proponent of the uh, the lengthening cycle theory in Bitcoin, and I do think that we're going to see uh, no correlation to the ped the uh, the, pe the Fed pivot uh, on the CPI. I don't think we'll see a correlation. I think we're going to see this lengthening cycle theory play out, where we are going to see probably more downside in the run-up into the next halvening. Uh, that's my opinion. What do you think, Clem? You were next. Then we'll take it to Do Kwan. Well, I, I think that, um, you know, you either believe what the Fed says or you don't. But with all these dark clouds hanging over the contagion that we've seen over the last six or nine months, it seems incredibly unlikely that this is uh, we've seen the bottom. So I think... You know, until all these um, dominoes have, have fallen and things have got back to some sort of balance within the actual scene itself, 
it, it's um, you know the inflation won't necessarily um, help uh, Bitcoin at all because Bitcoin so has been so volatile. It's not a good inflation hedge. And if you go back to the seventies, you'll note that even though there was wild inflation back there, it wasn't good for asset prices. And Bitcoin's just another asset. So you know, I, I think that that the answer is it's bearish for some time yet. All right, books. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a little, uh, I've got a little Fed rebuttal. I don't believe that the Fed is really impacting the price of cryptocurrency. If you look at every single time that Powell has opened his mouth with a, a Fed rate hike or opened his mouth in general in regards to crypto, uh, there's always a headline out there that impacts the price of crypto separate from the Fed hike. Uh, for example, during the summer, uh, the end of month numbers in July, Powell started talking bad about crypto and at the same exact time headlines made news that coinbase was unlocking staked ethereum and mount gox was releasing three billion dollars worth of crypto the midterm elections is another one where powell opened his opened his mouth uh we were supposed to get a nice little midterm rally and instead you know this whole ftx drama had happened and there are so many other times it's really almost every single time that the fed opens their mouth that some awful news comes out and hurts the price of cryptocurrency. I do see crypto as a hedge on inflation. And not only do I see it as a hedge on inflation, I mean, we started trading separately from the industrial index for the first time in a few years uh, in October, I believe. So uh, I think uh, I think the future is going to be bright. I think things are going to change. People are realizing that you know, Bitcoin's here to stay. And uh, 2023 is going to bring us a lot of... Uh, it's going to bring a lot of different uh, things out to our eyes on this whole uh, whole market. All right, very interesting. I mean, you know, what about something like, uh, you know, uh, China's uh, 10-year bond, which is, well, actually, no, let, before I get into that, um, you know, uh, can we really call Bitcoin a safe haven? We spent all of 2021, hundreds of articles that I've read, you know, calling Bitcoin a safe haven. And yet when things got globally shitty in the economy and indicators are shitty here in the U.S., uh, you know, Bitcoin took a hit just like everybody else. Maybe not as bad as some other coins, but, um, you know, does, does that does it really? I mean, we call gold a safe haven because it's a known quantity for thousands of years. Bitcoin, we've got like, what, 14 years in it or something like that. How can how can we even call it a safe haven or can we? Clem, go ahead. Well, I think the old concept of safe haven is something you put your money into when terrible things are happening. Not when boring things are going not going your way. So if you were an Afghanistan minister who'd stolen twenty million, you wouldn't head to the airport with a sack of twenty million. You'd head for the airport with Bitcoin. So if you something about bad was about to happen, you'd go into Bitcoin and then you, you would move on. And then when things calm down again, you get out. So safe haven is a sort of a place to run to, like a castle, not the place where you live long term. So I think space ha <laughs> safe haven is thought of in those terms, not in the terms of something that you can buy now and it'd be great forever and ever. Amen. And make you large amounts of money. So it's something right. for very, very bad times, not for all time. Yeah. So do you, by that definition, would you call, I mean, you, you were uh, saying last time we talked that you were looking for a Bitcoin that might hang around or you're not looking for, but maybe expecting Bitcoin to hang around much lower than its current price. Is Bitcoin as by that definition, is Bitcoin a safe haven? 
Well, it would be a safe haven if something terrible happened in the world and you needed to get your fear into something that wasn't fear. And perhaps you needed to get on a on a yacht and head for Dubai like the FDX boys sh- should have done or would, might have done. You know, that's what safe haven is. Uh, but it's not a long term thing as you know, safe haven like a castle. Yeah, you run to it when bad things happen but if it's if it becomes a chronic issue then a safe haven is it it doesn't apply yeah so if you were i mean the the prime minister of afghanistan left five million dollars worth of cash on the airport tarmac because he couldn't fit it in his helicopter that's when you need (laughs) a safe haven right and your five million dollars is is a private key in in a in a on a chip in you know stuck in your ear or what other part of the anatomy you want to stick that that's what a safe haven asset is not something you're going to hold forever and ever amen i I can't tell you the number of times that's happened to me where i just can't bring that trunk full of money yeah i know i know well you should be a minister in a place like afghanistan and you'd have that problem (laughs) um rito it's good to see you again man how you doing hey i'm doing good um, so, so what, what's your feels on this? Uh, go, go ahead and, uh, and I wanted give us to the, uh, the elephants in the room, just because um, if before the elephant leaves anyway, if the wolf of Wall Street is advocating financial regulation in the crypto space, you know, it needs it. You know, dude, uh, honestly, Jordan, he's not here to speak for himself right now, but um, like Jordan, of course, he has his past and, you know, he's he's uh, dealt with it. He's served his uh, his uh, what's the word debt to uh, to the government for, for certain earlier crimes. Um, and uh, honestly, to hear him talk about it now, he's super interested in staying on the right side of things because uh, he's already been what he's saying. Yeah, definitely. Like he's he's pretty and on top of that, I like that when you talk to Jordan about crypto investing, he talks investing, not just not just crypto, which I think sure. more more and more is how it needs to be kind of thought of. Like uh, to me one of and now I'm pontificating, but to me one of the most valuable parts of the bull run of uh of of 2021 is not just the advent of mainstreaming, but that especially here in the US, so many people got into investing itself with digital assets that had never really considered it before to be part of their lives um but yeah i uh i think it's a very interesting time that we look in it's just uh you know i think what he said was fairly apt about um about uh you know the way that people who are in it for the long term i mean that that's the way that's meant to be treated and there would be less volatility if people were uh not trying to just do some quick profiteering sure sure mind if i drop some rhymes about nfts it's an open mic. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm always open for that, man. Although we're going to have a show coming up for you. You'll love it. Go ahead. I'm no tightrope walker, but I'll be moving on chain with the directional range of a dart. You might think I'm deranged how my corpus callosum is arranged to depart. I'm changing the game, but I've been the same from the start. NFT the cells in my brain. I'll be cerebral art. Ah. Love it. That's oh, that's awesome. Be right, G. <laughs> Love it, man. Thanks for I, letting I, me drop some bars. It was overdue. Glad to be no, back. It's been a while. <laughs> absolutely. You know, we're gonna. We had a great hip hop episode uh, a couple weeks ago, and we've got a big event which is going to be of great interest to you that I've just been waiting to talk about because um, it's going to be a big fucking deal. Actually, it's going to be exciting. Um, our, Ooh, but, I'd love to hear more you. about it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah
it's it's going to be super cool. What's that, Jose? Did you guys hear the beatbox or not? I did actually. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're we're a little bit limited by the uh, audio system here on the uh, on Twitter yeah. Spaces, but yeah. I, I I admire people all the more for being willing to drop bars under the circumstances. You know, it's like you're you're kind of doing it with some impediments uh, going on. So that's yeah, awesome. Thank you, Rito. Other fighter there. Sure. What's that, Jose? Anyone else who want to drop some bars? Marie, you have any bars for us? Okay, let's I continue. Only dance, sorry, <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, all right. Um, yeah, if anybody else has any bars, I'm always open. Honestly, for Overdue. any show, you want to tool. Now I'm in New Zealand teaching coding school. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> all right, let let's let's uh, keep moving along. We've got Clem raising his hand. What's up, Clem? Well, I just wanted to say, because we were talking about Jordan a, a few moments ago, was that all those bad actors out of the pink sheets, they've all gone to crypto. All those people that were doing the sort of thing that got Jordan in the pen, they've moved from pink sheets and stocks, a lot of them, to crypto. It's the same people doing the same thing, but in crypto, because it's not under the laser beam of regulation. And people well, should be aware no, of that. Jordan is left, so we try, let's try not to... To speak out him because he he can't answer on his behalf. So, but yes, please continue. No, I I think he's definitely played it very clean. So he got, I mean, just to say about Jordan because I'm clarifying because you know, he's he's a friend. I've talked to him a dozen times at this point. Um, well, I don't you know, mean Jordan. I I mean that scene of pink sheet pump and dump, which ran for thirty years. The people involved in that have come to crypto the the there's a, there was a huge amount of people in that zone and they never went away they just went underground a lot more but they've moved from small cap stocks to crypto mm-hmm. yeah no that's yeah, absolutely true people too right doing the same stuff the same old thing on a new industry but also like there are new new persons doing the same stuff right yeah new people but also old people doing the same stuff yeah yeah you know, and and to circle back to somebody else who got dragged a little bit, as far as I was concerned, uh, Tim Draper. You know, he's been making price predictions about Bitcoin for ten years. I've been following them for about seven years, and so far, with the exception of the fact that he had to push back his twenty twenty three prediction to the end of twenty three instead of the beginning of twenty three. He hasn't changed his predictions, and he's been right. So he's been right every time so far. When he said that Bitcoin was going to reach fifty thousand originally, and I think it was at seventeen hundred at the time, frankly, my immediate reaction was like, "Ah, eh, yeah, this is this is kind of preposterous." But he has followed it through. That's why I, we we revisit his predictions a couple of times every year. Now his this prediction year, this year is crazy two fifty. Well, okay, what what he's saying is that as soon as there is a mainstream use case where regular consumers, without having to go through some um, prohibitive uh, Web3 process, uh, open up a wallet and so forth, we reduce the barriers to entry for them. As soon as you can buy milk and bread with it, it'll get that level of adoption. Does anybody see that happening in 2023? Because that's kind of what his 250 thing is predicated on. Just saying. I don't see it. Here's my thing. I feel like we've seen this play out before. However, we haven't seen 
how the crypto market's been behaving the last two years since the pandemic, actually, we haven't seen that before. Uh, but the, the little pump after Christmas in time for tax season, we've seen before. I do see in the next few months, Bitcoin hitting around twenty-eight dollars to $31,000. And then a decent sized pump at the end of the year, which could send us close to all-time highs. But to, to get to a hundred grand or two hundred fifty grand, I just I realistically it's, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, the Bitcoin having <clears throat> and the presidential election sort of line up pretty soon, so I think that's when we'll start to see some sort of uh, upward momentum for a longer period of time. If anybody uh, wants to hear it, I wrote a quick song about NFTs being better than traditional finance. If uh, Rito wants to give me a beat. <laughs> I don't see. know beatboxer, sorry man, but feel free to acapella. We all ears. <laughs> oh, I don't think I can acapella. Right? <laughs> Sad okay. sound like all four Beatles at once. <laughs> Come on, man. All right, I'll give you a really shitty beat, but like, I got you. <clears throat> Well done. That is fantastic. I love it. Unfortunately, I, I couldn't hear any of it because I was beatboxing, but I'm glad you're able to drop some bars. Yes. Yeah, we, we kind of need to get back together and, and mix it a little bit to get the levels right, I think, but I, but I liked it. I, I, I tried to get that one recorded. So that, cool. that's good. Um, so, cool. you know, Solana has a lot of activity lately. Does anybody have any strong feels about Solana? Or for that matter, since it's already 105. And by the way, follow everybody, guys. You know, tweet this thing out. Let's get more people watching. I, I love doing these shows. This is my favorite part of the week. So I'm happy to have you here with us. It's fantastic. Love working with Jose and all of the great guests we have on today. Jordan dropped off. Apparently, he had stuff to do. What's that, Jose? It's a pleasure working with you too, Justin. Yeah, see, he always has the positivity, and I appreciate that. Um, is there any other activity that's kind of interesting to you? Uh, you know, Solana is something you would recommend to a friend right now. How are we feeling about the future? They, they used to be quite powerful. They've taken quite a freaking pummeling over the past little while, but there's been a little bit of a rally. Or if you'd rather talk about a different coin, that's okay with me. We can go into a bit more of a free-for-all. Marie, what's up? Yeah, so I think Solana uh, was the blockchain that was really there during the last bull run. And I think they're going to have trouble recovering, but their, their, tech, their tech stack is pretty strong. So we'll see. But I do think there are a lot of other blockchains that are going to be big 
for the next bull run. Sui and Aptos are definitely going to be part of that. The move language is really interesting. And obviously, they've raised a bunch of money. So they're going to have a lot of funds to allocate to projects. Whereas Solana has kind of burnt through a lot of their cash flow. Uh, so I think it's going to be a difficult recovery for them. However, their tech stock is strong, so uh, it's definitely possible. All right, you, you've got Legend. You have your hand up high. I, I don't think we've talked before. Nice to meet you, Legend. Hey, what's up, Justin? I'm Post. Nice to meet you. I was uh, I was at your Benzinga event there. Uh, oh, okay, sweet. Good to see All right, yeah. well, then I did meet you. Good to see you, though. <laughs> Likewise. Um Legend, you were a you were a speaker. There's a button in the right hand. You were a speaker at the event. Go ahead, you could let us know how you feel about Solana, and in the terms of my brother in the words of my brother in Christ, Whitey Cracker, that's his rapper name. He said, "I'm a Bitcoin baron, scaring the status quo. Got that crypto dough and that dat file to blow, and the algorithm go get him until prison, send us all to prison, and that's a nerdy living." So I just want to leave you that right quick. That's fucking, that's awesome. You know, I think it's hilarious how when we have people dropping bars, we get more people coming out dropping bars. Soon spotty Wi-Fi is going to show up too. If we had, it's too bad Ill isn't on right now. Uh, you know, honestly, I'm just going to say that like, if all of the Web3 space had the raw enthusiasm, creativity, and spirit of supporting one another that the hip-hop element of the Web3 space has, we would be killing it all over the place. Just saying. In, in the meantime, uh, Rick, you have your hand up. You have a question for us. What's up? Oh, no, I just want to have a quick comment on the Solana too. I mean, um, 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 I'm well. First of all, I think I don't know how low Solana can go, but uh, if you're looking into the whole, whole picture of uh, uh, Ethereum L layer two, uh, the whole situation, I have to say that uh, because of the uh, layer two is uh, growing so fast, and uh, there are so uh, so many new. Uh, innovation projects on the layer two i think uh, uh the liquidity is sort of uh, uh moving from the other chains to um the uh, ethereum eco ecosystem obviously the time window for the uh, other chain is uh, kind of uh, uh passing fast so it's not just solana i mean uh, it, it, it might it, it might be the last season for all the other chains i mean it's it's just a probability i'm not say, saying this is a certainty um, but uh, in regarding uh, Solana, I mean, uh, lately there are uh, quite a few um, top projects moving out of Solana, moving uh, to some other chains. For example, uh, one of the top NFT project, Digas, they move, they, they are moving out of Solana uh, to uh, Polygon. So I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm personally, I won't take that as a positive side for the uh, long-term development of Solana, um, and and especially. <clears throat> The um, assets and the projects on Solana uh, was artificially pumped up by uh, FTS and uh, FTS uh, affiliate uh, crypto funds. So even today, if we look into the evaluation of those projects, they're still kind of high. Um, so even a short-term sort of trading opportunity, I would say uh, I will wait until Solana uh, probably go lower, even much lower. I will consider you know a, a short-term trade um, opportunity. That's just my uh, two cents. Okay, thanks. Let you swing it from my chain saying, I don't care, cash ain't no. Sorry, uh, what did you say? 
<laughs> now it's been more bars. Yeah, What's said, next? What happened to that boy? What's the next topic? Yeah, the D-God list? needed the move, honestly. Maddox is, is an up-and-coming star. It's slept on. Polygon, Maddox, same thing for anyone who's not aware. In the bottom right-hand corner, go ahead and right. retweet your face. You know, Maddox has been has been a major rising star, though. Like I, I can hardly say it's slept on because it gets talked about yeah. all the time. I agree. I think it's been it's been valued for like maybe like two years now. Uh, yeah. like eight hundred, and I've heard uh, there's a lot of things that they need to change for their blockchain, but because uh, so that. It's going to work properly because they have a lot of issues. However, because they raised a total of 800 mil, uh, I think uh, unless it's structurally impossible, they're going to be able to make it happen. Yes, yeah, so, right. and books also brought this up before as well, like at Ape Fest and all these NFT events. If you pay attention, there is Matic and Polygon advertisements everywhere. And and there's a reason for it. It's it's they're putting it in front of your face. It's 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 a sleeping giant. Right, definitely. Is there any anybody else? Uh, any other project? Any anybody's feeling bullish about? Hopefully not your own own project. We're just talking talking market here. But anything else? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I guess Rick. Sure. Uh, What's I actually up? have a question for you, Legend. Legend just mentioned uh, D gods. You have any? Uh... More in, more info about um, uh, the latest development of uh, of Dcards. I'm quite interested in that project, but I uh, I just didn't follow it through follow up uh, the latest uh, situation uh, over the last uh, few months. Um, other than that, they you know packed their bags from Solana and they're moving to Matic. They got a nice um, cash a nice cash deal there to go uh, moving to Matic. That's the that's the most update. Yeah, I have on. Man, they paid them like six million or three million dollars. I mean, wh what for? I'm I, it, I, I found quite difficult for, uh, to to understand. I mean, I, I don't know why that uh, Matty paid the money uh, that that amount of money to get him over. I mean, three. Oh, million, you know, he's a three million. Genius. What he yeah. did with D gods and youths is undeniably, you know, genius. Um, the engagement was there, and so I mean. Matic doesn't really have a like a board ape number one type project, and so now D gods and Utes will be that. And as for projects that I'm bullish on, uh, in right now, no, I hold bags would be Mutant Hound Callers and the Applied Ape Primate Cards. Uh, there's an announcement coming tomorrow. Board Ape Yacht Club will be minting something as well for I believe uh, for Jimmy the Monkey, the trial of Jimmy the Monkey. So we should see prices start to move for these, uh, you know, whether it's up or down when people need liquidity, you know, if they want to mint board ape versus mutant hounds, depending on what the announcement is tomorrow. Um, super bullish. To, it's I haven't had this this sort of energy with NFT projects for like six months. It's just been a, a quiet lull. And so I'm excited over these. Right. Well, you know, since we uh, are, are getting off the strict Bitcoin thing anyway, we're already uh, 15 minutes over the hour. You know, just a quick question about NFTs. Right now, you know, I like I like one of ones. I like I like artists, music, NFTs, uh, you know, fine art, movies, that sort of thing. Those those are the uh, use cases that I that I've gotten into. But um, it seems like 
so it's not especially my field. But it seems like the N- NFT uh, area has had just as much or more volatility going on in it as uh, you know altcoins, to, to use the polite uh, term. You know what? Are, what are we thinking about the uh, about the risky uh, nature of the NFT market right now? Is, is there uh, is it in about the same boat as crypto? Is it an extension of kind of the same phenomenon, or is there uh, added volatility and or possibilities there i think it's very similar to crypto uh if you look at like the blue chip nft yeah, projects looks- uh legend i don't think you could hear me man you got to go down and come back up now you got rug so i think it's it's yeah, you know, someone NFTs could tell legend. A nice hedge against crypto there's always like you know d5 projects and like for instance you could uh mint certain things like mutant hounds for instance that comes to two eth pull that out put into something else like like uh, 10 ktf the 10 ktf uh g g cards i believe it's called um so as long as you can constantly take your money and keep moving it to things that are going to appreciate uh, i think i think you have a little uh, a little opportunity here in nfts that a lot of people are missing just because they're not taking the time so so for instance like staking apecoin we're all making passive bags just by staking you know staking our ape with our uh alongside our assets so i mean if if traditional traders knew about this i i feel like we would get a larger influx you know in the space but it, it's certainly proving to to uh bring us further uh in terms of revenue compared to crypto trading it's true hello Jason. here we have the pleasure to have our singer chief Benzinga CEO, Jason Resnick, welcome. Hey, hey. I'm just, I'm just listening in. Uh, very entertaining and uh, useful. Thank you. So how, how does it feel, Jason, to run the most culturally significant uh, you know, publication that, that deals with digital assets out there? I mean, there's a lot of good publications. We try to do our part and, you know, report the facts. Um, and, you know, we... What I hate seeing and why Benzing is this, I hate seeing people lose money. I hate, I mean, way back in the day, cannabis, um, there, like 10 years ago, eight years ago, cannabis was becoming a thing. And all these companies pretended they were like cannabis companies. And they added the name to their company name and they were fake. And so what we did is we filtered them out and said who was real, who wasn't. And with crypto, it's like you want to take, you want to find what's real, what's not. And we'll sometimes not know either, but we try to report the facts and give information as best we can and bring this, you know, smart people to the world. And we have about 30 million readers a month. Um, so it's an important thing, responsibility that we believe we have. Absolutely. There, there's so much information out there right now. You know, what, what, what do you, how do you do dil, do dil, due diligence in this kind of atmosphere? If you look at somebody like Sam Bankman Freed, not only would have, uh, you know, millions of people called him a genius, but I would have been among them before this, uh, before, before the crash happened. You know, what, what, what's the best way for the consumer to, uh, you know, research and protect themselves? I think there's lessons to be learned in all this. I think you don't go too much. Well, I'll give two answers, but I don't think you go too much into one thing. So I used to own a lot of Tesla. I mean, a lot, a lot of Tesla. And over the last 2020 and the 2021 and 2022, I kept selling and and I probably reduced the position by like 60%, but I was too, my portfolio was like 70% was 70% Tesla. And 
you, you know, Sam Bankman Freed, exactly like he was giving all his money to politicians. He had all this cash. He was, you know, the umpires at FTX. They were, they started an equities business like overnight and it looked amazing. And you, you get caught up sometimes in the euphoria of someone and it's not always, it's not always real. Now, sometimes in terms of like, does it catch up? Like there's people that have raised a lot of money. Like Uber was raising a lot of money and eventually they built a business model out of it. Sometimes people raise a lot of money and they don't build a business model out of it. You think of the one, um, the lady who did the blood test thing. She kept raising and then she was never able to make it work. So then, you know, time caught up with her. In terms of how does like Benzinga look about due diligence, we try to talk to people. We talk to references. Are these people legit? Are they normal? We, we look at things. We look at numbers like for community, for bank, like one of my big investments is community banks because we have the foremost expert on community banks. He can tell you what's real, what's not. And in 11 years, he's never had a losing pick. And so um, that's Tim that's Tim Melvin, by the way. But I've been a subscriber for four years because he's the expert. So we try to find the expert. But listen, experts can don't always catch it either. No one, people didn't catch Bernie Madoff. People didn't catch Sam Bankman. I mean, $200 million from Sequoia. So it's, it's, a, it's a hard battle and you, you got to be careful. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, thanks everyone for, for coming out today, by the way, I, I'm always uh, honored to have uh, such an intelligent uh, group of people uh, talking about these subjects. Um, you know, David, I, I think, I think you, uh, you, you just jumped on. So uh, you, you, do you have a question for the speakers? You have a, a, a comment that you want to share? Yes. Thank you. And it's just great to have these types of conversations. That's really my comment is, uh, you know, I've, I've, partnered with like books and legend up here and we love partnering with you know people that want to know more about web3 you know we firmly believe in bridging the gap and you know by bridging the gap you know it, it comes from conversations like this um so you know it's like um like like even with what we did with the apecoin dow and how we flipped the vote the community won right um you got to go back and listen to the space. Uh, give them, yeah, give them a quick, give them a quick summary, David. Of what happened? Books, books would be the best to give the summary. It's his space, um, so I'll, I'll defer to books on that. But I will say that that you know every day Web three exposed. You know we try to do exactly this: bridge the gap and put more information out, the right information, so that people can make the right decisions. And I think that's the missing point because. There's there's a lot of question marks. You bring up Sam Bakeman Freed, uh, you know that just means that people really need to do their research and uh, you know, do the right research, not just research. Uh, do the right research and and continue to have conversations like this because I can tell you that I really I'm a firm believer that that Web three is the future. You, you can't the banking system cannot beat blockchain technology, and so the more we have discussions like this. You know, is it's it just really helps to bridge that gap, so that more and more people can understand the space as it grows. Perfect. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's been a, a fantastic conversation. You know, I guess I'll just ask a one one more question. You know, I've kind of said this before, but but seriously, 
How long are we anticipating this bloodletting period that we've been going through where there's more and more ripples, more and more bad news? And let's face it, you know, more reason for uh, traditional finance writers, Wall Street Journal and so forth, to declare crypto dead and NFTs dead over and over again. When When is the fallout among these centralized exchanges and investing funds finally going to end? Books, you want to take that? Can you can you repeat that or elaborate on that question, Justin? It, how much longer are we going to keep having this hemorrhaging of major projects, respected projects um, that uh, you know end up uh, having some major fallout because of some direct or indirect association or position on FTX? It, it's already taken out, uh, you know, BlockFi and so many other players. Now things are not looking too hot about Gemini, for example, and there's been a lot in between. You know, wh- when are we going to stop getting the same bad news? Uh, never. Uh, can it slow down in the future? Possibly, but as uh, as mass adoption comes, I mean, I, I really don't feel like it's ever going to stop. Uh, this is what happens when you mix uh, decentralized and centralized. This is what happens when you mix government and crypto. It's the it's the name of the game. I see this happening with a lot more than just Gemini in the future. This is something that's been happening with the banks forever, and no one really talks about that. Anything to really scare away retail, um, get retail to panic is is gonna be is gonna be happening forever in my opinion I, I don't see it ever stopping could it slow down very possibly but i don't see that yeah it is the optics that i worry about about scaring away uh retail buyers because you know we need to have a steady stream of new retail buyers in the space and institutional investment in order to keep growing at the rate that we uh like uh marie you, you had something to add yeah so i think we're going to see what happens with the digital uh, currency group. And after that, things might kind of ease up or, you know, obviously uh, things might get worse from there. But I think the fallout from FTX and Terra Luna and all of that will kind of end with that. However, we have to see how things go with the macro. And that's, I think, what 2023 will be about if the macro gets worse then i would think we would decouple at some point uh not definitely not at the beginning of the year but maybe towards the end of the year into 2024 and then we go off into a separate thing but if the macro recovers then the crypto uh space will recover as well those are my thoughts thanks everyone and uh, see you in the next one. Thank you, Marie. It's always great to have you on. You know, if, if, if we're just in the last five minutes or so, uh, any anybody want to give us uh, an optimistic statement about 2023? I think we're a little short on them. It'd be good to hear who's who's got. Uh, anybody have some notes of hope for us? Wow, no one raising their hand on that one. <laughs> Getting very close to the bottom. That's my that's my optimistic comment. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, what what about you, Ryo? What what do you expect to go right in twenty twenty three? Let me phrase it that way. Nope. All right. Uh, what about hey, you, Legend? Are you still around? It's a tough question. You know. Yeah. Well, give give us something to hold on to. You got to be optimistic about something in this space. 
Yeah, well, I'm optimistic about all the builders in Web3 and how they continue to push boundaries, how they continue to figure out how to create liquid, um, how, to, how to drive engagement. And so for me, I mean, uh, I'm not really... It's hard, it's hard to be bullish on, on these smaller economies when you have these, these global tensions and these, you know, and CBDC wants to be pushed. Um, you know, there's a lot going on. So it's like, it's, it's really hard to be optimistic. But in terms of, you know, value and revenue, um, you know, I'm optimistic, obviously, on you know, builders in, in the NFT space. Uh, you know, I agree, and, I, and I've heard that um, expressed a number of times. You know, th this is a year to build, and frankly, looking at people projects roadmaps, that does seem to be the case. People are investing in, uh, in, in you know, building out their, uh, in building out their projects. David, do you have something to add? Yeah, I was just going to add on to that. I mean, he said it. He said it perfectly. You know, what you know? Can we predict the market? No, we all have to be optimist, optimistic, of course. But I'm I'm bullish on the builders that I see in the bear market, and like I said, with conversations like this, let's continue to have them, um, and and really really nail down, uh, you know what how we can make this year a great year. But I'm bullish on the builders. I'm bullish on you know the people that are here. There's a lot of development. You might not see it now, but I know that there's a lot of development in place, and so I'm I'm looking forward to that in the future. Excellent. Okay, thank Legend. You very much. Legend, what about you? Oh, I think you uh I already hit you. Sorry. My yeah. bad. We we have like ten guests today, so it's confusing for it. Um oh I was gonna say Mel, but he's gone. Anybody else want wanna wanna jump in with some uh, words of hope and optimism for us? I think we might see, you know, some some large plays on the music side, right? So as NFTs continue, so I my background is in is in um, IP on the YouTube side and the back end, TikTok music. So I think that um, this year, at least on the music side, NFTs might develop further in, uh, to a point where um, where artists can, you know, start getting royalties without any manager any managers or you know middlemen taking the cream off the top. Um, so I mean, a lot's been developing on the music side for a while, but I think if we're gonna, if there's something I have to be bullish about, uh, it's probably what's gonna happen with NFTs and music this year. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, I agree. Like as I said earlier, it, it's it's an incredibly active space, and you've got people who. I don't know, especially in, in the in the hip hop space, you know, like there's a little bit about like understanding struggle in a different way in, in the DNA of, of those artists. So you got people who are just more ready to like help each other. And that shit honestly really impresses me. Um, you know, uh, VT or Vermont, I don't know uh, if you, you have a question for us. Oh, um <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, as an optimist uh, node for 23, I, I, we didn't talk too much about uh, Ethereum and, and what happened since the, uh, the, the proof of uh, stake. But I think uh, uh, we will see in 2023 Ethereum becoming deflationary. And, and I think it's very, it's, very, uh, it's very good for the space. And uh, given that you basically today, if, if you stake uh, 32 Ethereum, you have a yield of uh, roughly 3%. Basically, it's it's a very strong uh, strong support for 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 Ethereum, and three percent is basically what you had as a dividend yield uh, on the uh, on the equity market over the last forty years. So basically, uh, I think that's very uh, interesting. 
All right. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else who still has their hands up? How about uh, VT Internet? I think you just joined us. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, we've been sitting here basically for the last year, um, you know, building all kinds of uh, Web3 tools, you know, in our Web2 business that we've been running for, you know, the last 15 years. So, you know, we're hoping that, um, you know, 2023 will be a good year because basically, you know, we've just built, you know, all kinds of tools and API, you know, we got our own API now so that we can start, right. kind of, you know, onboarding, you know, people into the Web3 space with their NFT projects, their, uh -huh. you, know, <clears throat> you know, tokens or, you know, pretty much anything because we do a, a wide variety of, you know, Web2 stuff. So, you know, we're looking at like, you know, being able to you know, purchase products, you know, on people's websites and building, you know, different plugins to our API system, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to use kind of our digital identity system and, um, you know, encryption systems that we have built, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, looking forward to um, getting this thing out to um, different customers. But, you know, it's like, yeah. any, like with Web2, you, you know, you have to kind of have like five different clients that all need you know the same thing in order for it to be a um you know worthwhile so to speak right okay well very cool and and you may you make a good point which is that there are a lot more tools for getting into the space um you know i, I think that honestly builders are going to continue to build and uh one of the greatest things that nfts really helped accelerate is more artists coming into the space because you know more artists means more creative ideas, and ideas are still our most precious commodity, or premecious, as I almost said, but I've been speaking for an hour and a half. Hey, guys, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming out to our space. Please join us on Thursday. We might be talking about the market again. I, I think I might like to throw out the question of, like, metaverse, like when, where, what's going to happen with metaverse. So maybe we'll try and do a metaverse episode on Thursday. Either way, it's going to be big. We're going get, to get great guests, as we always do. Please join us at noon on Thursday. Please follow everybody on the panel. We've had, like, a rolling panel today. <laughs> it's probably included, like, 15 people but if, if for everybody still remaining here follow jordan follow clem he's awesome uh we got legend on of course we've got all great people so thank you so much and mel from benzinga please uh, follow her as well um and everyone have a great day do something for yourself that doesn't involve staring at a screen at least for a few minutes at some point today it's it's very good for you know just your overall health uh, jose do you have anything uh to add no i think i just really enjoyed this space we had everything we had analysis we had freestyle we have a bit of the future of crypto. I really enjoyed this space. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Thanks, Mel. Thanks, Legend. Thanks, Book, Jordan, everyone. I really enjoyed it, and see you next time. Yeah, I agree. It's awesome how willing people are to come out and share their ideas. Everyone, thank you so much for coming. Please come back and join us on Thursday. We're doing this twice a week, every week. And, uh, you know, feel free to DM us with... Uh, with show concepts we're doing anything that's uh kind of breaking and and the most important news to people at that time i'd like to do a little bit more that focuses on nfts too we got to do some nft focused shows all right guys thank you so much we will talk to you soon peace thanks benzinga thanks justin
Thank Shout you, everyone. On Bye. Spotify. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jose. Good work with you as always. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day.